Welcome to this week's edition of Coach Prep. Coach Don and I are here with Stan in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio, working on Coach Prep episode number 33. We're going to talk about getting back into practice because it looks like that's actually on the horizon for some of us. But before we do that, we want to talk about our sponsor, Cleat It Up. Cleat It Up is the tool you need to use to solve all your communication needs. It's an app for your phone, it's free, and it has all different aspects to it. So it's great for inter-team communication, so player-to-player, coach-to-player, across teams in an organization, great social media aspect to it. So check out cleatedup.com and check out FP. And again, it's the tool you need to have to solve all your communication needs. Don, here in Georgia, we're starting to crank it back up a little bit, slowly but surely. We've talked now for a couple of weeks, we've been able to get back into the lesson business a little bit, controlled environments and controlled schedules, but uh, teams are starting to practice a little bit more business as usual for some teams. There's still some challenges that people here are facing because a lot of the parks are still closed. Now what everybody's doing is scrambling around trying to find the field at the church or somebody that's got a private facility or whatever that has access so that they can get out on the field. But what I wanted us to really talk about today is we know we're all excited, You know, certainly feel very fortunate in this part of the country that we're starting to get a little bit of normalcy back into our lives, uh, excited to get back out on the field. But we want to caution our coaches and caution our players about using a little bit of common sense, a little bit of logic as we get back into the softball world. So yeah, it sounds, Tori, like uh, people are getting creative with places to go practice and, uh, you know, it might be a neighborhood open space, you know, they've got a large grassed area. We've heard some of that and church fields and things like that. Yeah. Yep. yeah I've seen uh, some teams practicing at their coaches' houses if they've got a big backyard. And- yep. Um, some of the coaches are the gung-ho dads that have the batting cage in the backyard. So they're actually you know, having practices in those kinds of settings, which is a great solution if you've got that option. But here, you know, just in the Atlanta area, as you go from county to county, there are some counties that still have the parks locked up tight as a drum. I go for a walk every day with my dog, and there's a couple of parks that I like to walk at, both because they've got a lot of softball, baseball fields, and it's kind of a you know kind of a little walk down memory lane to think about a simpler time when we are actually feels good to be there using yeah. those facilities. Yeah. Um, but in Gwinnett County, the park that I walk at has got uh, five or six fields: a baseball field, a soccer field, and then a nice set of batting cages with like six cages. And every single one of them is padlocked, chained, locked up tight. There's been no activity at all on any of those fields. And then another park that I go to has been allowing for practices using social distancing for a little while now. So they've got a sign up in the parking lot that basically says for people from the county only, um, less than 10 players, no, less than 10 people per field and maintaining social distancing of six feet Common apart. Common sense. Yeah. Uh, basically, the, the last sentence on the sign is, and if you screw this up, we're locking these fields up. Follow these guidelines or else. And uh, the times that I've been up there, um, I've noticed that it seems like everybody is doing a pretty good job of maintaining those rules and, and yeah. policing themselves. The one thing that I did think was funny, because I have out-of-state plates on my truck. It's a long story, but I don't have uh, plates for the county. And here in Georgia, a lot of the plates that you get have the county where you sure. were registered. Police uh, were waiting at my truck when I got back with, with my dog one day, and they wanted to know if I had not seen the sign. I said, well, no, I, I live in the county. And like, well, your truck has out-of-state plates. And I, you know, I had to tell them the whole story. <laughs> I had to get my driver's license out and show them that I really am a resident and all that stuff. And now, fortunately, they remember that. So they haven't uh, asked me any questions since that one day. But so I think that uh, one of the challenges is, you know, that all of us are going to have to 
uh, understand that uh, while we're excited to get back out there, you know, there's still a lot of rules and regulations and guidelines and things in place that as coaches and players and families, we're going to have to wrap our heads around. You're one of those coaches that thinks, well, nobody will notice if we jump the fence and you're out there practicing on a field that's locked up, I think there's going to be They might have that figured out, yeah. You're out there running your travel team practice with 15 kids. Um, You're one of those teams that's got players from all over the state or all over the country on your team, and the police drive by and they notice 12 different license plates from six different states. There might be, you know, some problems associated with that. You're saying they're watching anyway, right? And I think in some places they are definitely going to be watching. I think there's other places that they have a lot of other things to be worried about. Now that we're looking at the possibility of practicing, we want to make sure that we exhibit a little bit of common sense. So one is those kinds of rules, making sure that if there's guidelines in place, you know, if we're asking people to social distance, if we're asking people to, you know, sanitize, hand sanitizer, um, you know, cleaning the equipment, cleaning the dugout when you're done, whatever it is, wearing a mask, whatever it is, let's just, you know, suck it up, follow the rules and make sure that we start off on a good foot that way. One, because we definitely don't want you to screw it up for your team or for anybody else, but also because I think it's a pretty good lesson for us to be sending to our players that no matter what we think personally, if the rules are we have to maintain social distancing for our practice today, we're going to do that. If our rules are you know, we can't have more than 10 people on the field, if uh, that means we have to do two different groups or split practice up or have two different practices or whatever, we're going to do that too, just so that our players can kind of see us modeling the common sense approach of, of following the rules and doing the right thing. Because, you know, we've talked about it enough across all our different uh, discussions now for the last six weeks or so, that it doesn't really matter what your opinion is. You still have to be aware of what other people are thinking. And if you're the person who thinks this whole thing is just one big scam and it was nothing but a crock from the beginning, you still have to be thinking about the fact that you're going to have a player on your team or a teammate on your team that believes that this is feelings. Yeah. You know, a, a really serious, scary thing, and they're worried, and they want you to be you know, respectful of their, their be feelings. Kind. So follow the rules. That's, that's number one on our discussion today. Number two is think about what players should have been doing, what they're really doing, and what the reality is, because it's somewhere in the middle. And for coaches, I promise you, the team that you start practicing with this weekend or next weekend or whenever it is, is not going to be the same team you saw six weeks ago or eight weeks ago or six months ago before all this happened. They should have been working on their own, but even the kids that have been, there's nowhere near the same intensity level, the same um, workload in that setting as there's going to be when you start practicing. Tori, I feel like this is really a magical time if we allow it to be because we have had a chance to be rested, to let some of our our bumps and bruises and sore arms and knees and elbows and things heal. And we've had a a good period of time to get healthy right now. And it's just a magical time and a great opportunity for us to really start fresh. But I think the point of the conversation today is going to be that we need to have a really good, well-rounded approach and being real about where we're at and, you know, where we want to be. I know it's uh, an exciting time to rush back out there and be ready for that very first tournament that they allow us to play in, but that might be in a very guarded manner so that we can, you know, continue this, you know, this really healthy opportunity that we've been given. Right. Well, I think it's, it's one of those coaching traps that we all fall into. You know, we, we get it in our head. We'll say something like, well, we expect you to hit every day. 
on every team in America. So let's say I tell my team, you know, I expect you all to take 50 swings every day. There's going to be 25% of the kids that are going to take those 50 swings and more, and they are going to be totally committed, totally passionate. They're going to work as hard as they possibly can on every single one of those swings. And if something doesn't feel right, they're going to take some more. Right. And there's 25% that I might as well be asking them to build a space shuttle or fly to the moon or solve, cure the common cold or whatever. They are going to do zero. And that's just reality. We can wish it wasn't that way. We can hope it isn't that way. I even know of kids that mom and dad will chase them out of the house and send them out to the garage because their coach said that they have to hit. And they'll go out in the garage, they'll time it out for how long they think it would really be for them to have taken 50 swings and you know not do anything and then sneak back into the house and hope that their parents figure out that they didn't really do anything because they just aren't going to do it. And so you've got 25% that are going to actually be working really hard and close to prepared. You got 25% that haven't done anything. And then you've got 50% that are somewhere in the middle. Some are really close to the almost doing nothing. And some are pretty close to the doing everything that they possibly can. Along that spectrum is every single team. If I, as a coach, don't recognize that, I am walking into a hornet's nest of trouble. Well, yeah, that's where, like I say, the the opportunity that we've been given is there for us if we if we yeah. guide it if we guide it the right way. So, and now here's the the next thing: the coaching trap. Well, if they didn't do the work, that's their fault. Not so. But, it's their fault, but it's but, our situation, right? It's it's our obstacle to overcome. Yeah. yeah. So I can be the ornery, angry coach that says, "Well, you should have been doing all this stuff. You should be in shape. You should be able to handle this practice that I'm going to throw at you." But it's we that pay the consequence, right? And right. it's the players then who we as a group are going to are, are going to suffer. Yeah. Um, because you know, back to your point about we're going to start off right away again with sore arms, sore legs, pulled muscles, poor mechanics because of injury, all kinds of negative things that we could avoid if we just use a little bit more of a common sense approach. And now coaches, I understand that you want to believe your kids are A, doing everything that you ask them to do, but I can promise you after all these years of doing it, that it's just not the number that we want it to be. But here's the moral to the story. Even the 25% that have been working really hard on their own are not working as hard as you think they're ready to work now that they get back to practice. And because we know the intensity level is going to amp up, we know the, the I need to show well Excitement. is going to amp up. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to be excited. They're going to you know, want to show the world that, you know, that they're great. They're excited to be out there. They want to show their friends how, you know, how ready they are to play. Little bit of work that they've done, that little bit of preparation is nowhere near the same level of intensity or the same level of... Uh, amplitude that uh, that we're going to have at that first practice and it's going to start off like a firecracker and it's going to be that big bolt of lightning that's going to shoot and everybody's going to be excited and all of a sudden you know the fireworks are going to go off and we're going to see all the colors in the sky and everybody's going to be excited then all of a sudden it's like stop it ooh and on we're going to realize oh wait a second now what's the fallout from that sure you know you know the shooting the fireworks up in the sky is exciting and it's it's fun to see but every once in a while, there's a dud that comes crashing down to the ground, and you're not quite sure whether it's going to explode or not. Yeah, I know, Tori, when, uh, when all this stuff breaks, breaks open for us to get back out there, um, staying in tune with how the kids are feeling and talking to them right. about how the last workout went and 
you know, obviously we don't want that first one to be a, a mega practice. We right. talk about those on a couple of our podcasts, but mega practice might not be the way to start, right? right? And my advice to every coach out there, no matter how challenging it is, no matter how disappointing it is, build slow, start slow, build into it. You still have a couple of practices before you have to play. You don't have to go out there and do everything the first day at 110%. If you build into it slowly, if you start off making sure that the kids are throwing well, if you start off making sure that they're getting really stretched well, if you make sure that they're really warmed up well before you start doing anything at practice that first day, if you take a lot of time building the arm strength back up, we're going to be a whole lot happier than if we jog and stretch for 10 minutes, we uh, start throwing 100 miles an hour 10 minutes later, and then 30 minutes late, you know, into practice, we're doing you know, full tilt 100% infield and outfield with kids you know, trying to go uh, at 100% right away. It'd be nice if they could, and some of them will, and some of them will look okay. Stretching but, and diving. And, yeah, but that yeah. next day is when we're going to pay the piper, and then that next week when two of those kids can't practice now because they've got pulled hamstrings or pulled groins or... You know, their shoulder hurts again already or whatever they it is. they should have been ready, Tori. Well, you know, I'm the old school guy. You know, right. I, I used to be that guy. Right. I would have been, you know, suck it up. You should be ready. It's but, on you. But where does that have us? Right. And then yeah. overall, again, looking back, you know, the hindsight is twenty twenty thing. How many kids ended up not being able to play as well as they're capable of? How many kids yeah. ended up having long-term injuries or long-term problems because of it? Because I was so stubborn that I couldn't understand that it's okay to let them build back into it and to kind of gain that momentum. But I know it's a problem because one of my lesson kids was talking this week. Their coach has secured a field at his church and gotten permission for them to practice. And they are starting at 9 o'clock on Saturday morning. And they're going to finish at 6 o'clock that night. And he told them to plan right? on bringing a lunch because they're going to have lunch at noon. And he said that their parents should expect to pick them up at 4 or 5 o'clock that afternoon. Even with some breaks and the hour lunch will probably end up being an hour and 15 or an hour and a half because the kids will be you know, chit-chatting and gossiping. We're still talking about six hours-ish of softball in one day, the first day back. Right out of the, out of the shoot, yeah. I tried to you know, have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with the girl that I work with because she's a really serious player. She'll be the first one that will be out there you know, climbing the fence and you know, diving for balls and all that stuff. You know, just make sure you stretch really well. Make sure you warm up really well. Make sure you take care of your arm. Don't, you know, don't try to throw a laser beam on the very first throw. And just trying to talk her down a little bit because she's excited to get out there too. For sure. Um, but coaches, it's on us to make sure that we put together a plan that's thinking about the whole player for the whole season, not just one day of excited, overwhelming overwork uh, that we're going to pay a price for for the rest of the year no i think this is a huge huge advice tori and talking to the kids too i want to know how they feel right i want to know how that last workout uh, made them feel our zoom the zoom workouts you just mentioned stretching and things like that doing all that these are things that we could be doing our athletes could be doing at home prior to these workouts it would right. help a bunch if they'll do it if they're not that one uh you know, that one that's trying to figure out the timing and right. come, coming back in just on time for their hundreds or 50 swings. But yeah, if we can, if we can all do this in a really responsible, conscientious way, I think that we can have a lot of fun. Right. And we want it to be fun. You know, we, and obviously we want to be ready to play games, but part of the challenge is, 
you know, I think some of us as coaches were kind of freaking out a little bit because there's so many unknowns right now. For the teams that are practicing this weekend, it's going to be, so for when we're recording, it'll be uh, May 9th and 10th. And the 10th is Mother's Day. So if anybody is gung-ho enough to think that they're practicing on Mother's Day, you need to have a serious <laughs> intervention, I'm just saying. And yes, I know you've played some games on Mother's Day, but the mothers that were there watching their kids play games are a little bit less bitter than the ones that are watching their kids practice. Right. Uh, but so anyhow, best case scenario, are they going to play the week of the 16th and 17th? Maybe, but doubtful. More likely the weekend of the 23rd, 24th? Still maybe, but no way, shape, or form absolutely locked in. Shouldn't be so, wide open, yeah. So, so maybe June 1st. So we're looking at maybe having two or three weekends to practice to kind of build back up to it. Right. You know, So instead of shooting off all the fireworks at one time, you know, let's save a few so we can have fun over an extended period of time first instead of having June, that one yeah. big finale um, the first day of uh, first day of practice. And coaches, it's going to be on you because you're going to be the one that later on is going to be disappointed when your starting pitcher's arm hurts and she can't throw as much, or your starting shortstop is gimping around and, and fighting her way through games because she's got a, a pulled groin or a pulled hamstring or whatever it is. We have to be the adults in this situation and realize that even though we want the kids to be 100% ready, they're really not going to be ready for what we're going to throw at them. Well, and uh, that's just the reality of it. And kids and parents that are listening, it's not just coaches, I guess, that listen to the podcast all the time, but y'all have to be doing some preparation and getting ready for these practices too and right. do your part to, uh, to ensure that you are feeling good after, uh, after we get a chance to get back out there. And that's by doing some things at home. You can right. be throwing long in the street. You can be you know, doing the stretching that we're talking about and preventing some injury. And it's so much more fun to play when you feel good. Let's try and do the little things that it takes to feel good when we get back out there. Yeah, yeah let's see how long your arm can feel good yeah. instead of how fast it can hurt. How fast we can get it <laughs> on the other side, yeah. yeah. And, and let's see how many games we can play before we have to worry about going to the emergency room or the urgy care or whatever it is to get We've something treated. We've got to pick up a few players. Yeah. Because, uh, and, yeah. uh, and, and let's use a little bit of common sense, make sure we build into it. Um, players, you know, and the post practice stuff that we need to be doing, you know, Don, you mentioned, you know, the work at home, making sure we're stretching after practice, making sure that we're icing if we need to, making sure we're doing all the things we can to try to stay as healthy as possible. But the bottom line is coaches, if you're planning a mega practice, your first practice back, you're playing with fire. Somebody's going to get burned. Let's just make sure that we're using a little bit of common sense. I understand that you're missing it. I understand that it's, you know, feels like, uh, Fate owes you, you know, a lot of softball time because we've missed a lot, but uh, we want the quality time to be there. We want it to be something that's fun and enjoyable. And if we build back into it slowly, we're all going to be a whole lot happier in the long run. I was going to say, Tori, situational things, right? Going half speed, doing those kind of things are going to preserve arms and legs and, right. and still be productive. Yeah, and, and we so. can cover a lot that way. So when we're talking about easing in, doesn't necessarily mean that you only get to practice for an hour. Be creative. Yeah. But if you're going to practice, you know, for a while, creative uh, use of that time is good. You know, some, you know, breaks for some chalk talk, you know, some... Talk about know, fence play. Yeah, talk some, about... some drills that you can do in small groups, maybe, that uh, aren't quite as intense. You know, like you're saying, you know, balls at the fence for the outfielders, you know, on your knees for backhands and forehands for infielders. You know, there's a lot of stuff that kids can be working on that doesn't require 100% effort 100% of the time 
for a five or six or seven hour and, practice. And exposing for potential to injury. Right. Yeah, we talk about situations, uh, I think it was last week, about the fly ball and foul play. Right. When do we catch it? When do we leave it? Right. And this, yeah. is, this is a perfect time to you know spend yeah. some time talking about the strategy, how we're going to in, in, incorporate it, different situations where we can see it, and then practice it a little bit instead of introduce trying it. to do it full tilt 100% of the time. So coaches, I think you got the point. Use some common sense. Think it through. Plan for the kid who is the middle of your team. I don't think you can plan for the kid who did nothing. That's a nice way to think of it. Yeah. And I don't think you should plan for the kid who you think did everything. Plan for the kid that's in the middle because that's going to be safest. Nice. And then that way, even if it's hard for the weakest kids or the kids that are most out of shape, they're just probably not going to kill them it as won't much. Won't be as overwhelming. If, yeah, it's not yeah. going to kill them as much as if we plan for the for the top of the pyramid. So that's going to wrap up episode number 33. Again, we're excited here in our part of the country to be starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel and hoping that normalcy is is out there on the horizon. For our listeners that are not in that place, stick with it, stay with it, keep your head up. It's going to happen. It's coming and and it's going to get here eventually. And being mad about it, being upset about it, it's not going to make it go any faster. So let's just keep keep grinding away and and working hard and and hopefully this will all work out. Also, uh, we talked a little bit about... um, things to do and watch during the quarantine found another movie on netflix called greater and it's a story of a football player who walked on at arkansas it's got a sad ending but it's an amazing story of overcoming adversity and and making your dreams come true so add that to the list of sports movies that you can watch so for stan and don here in the cherokee batting range podcast studios coach tori saying thanks for listening to episode number 33 of coach prep and don't forget cleatedup.com 